Well, how about those Blackhawks, huh? All right. How many watched the game last night? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. It was exciting. And uh, they, of course, are coming back to Chicago where they're going to win it all. Uh, it's a great time, huh? Uh, in fact, I was thinking about this, and I was saying, I wonder if anybody's praying for the Blackhawks. So I put in Blackhawk prayer is what I found. It says, uh, Our Father who art in Chicago, hockey be thy name. Thy will be done, the series be won on ice as well in the stands. Remember, they're praying to a pagan god here, okay? <laughs> Give us this day our hockey sticks and forgive us our penalties as we forgive those who cross-check against us. Lead us not into elimination, but deliver us to victory. In the name of the fans, Lord Stanley and the Chicago Blackhawks, amen. <laughs> well, they, they don't have to pray to a pagan god. <laughs> they can pray to God because God is a Blackhawks fan, right? Of course he is. He's a Bears fan. He's a Bulls fan. He's a Cubs fan. The Sox, no. I mean, he had to choose one. He can't be a fan of both of them. He had to drop one, and he always goes to the underdog, right? So we know that. <laughs> well, it's a funny prayer. Uh, we're going to be talking about prayer today. It was interesting. As I was uh, prepping this week, God really just kind of guided me uh, to another passage. I was going to preach on James 4. We'll do that later, but uh, how to reach conflict. But God really impressed on me that uh, I needed to preach this particular passage in James. And it's uh, James chapter 5, verses 13 uh, through 18. Why don't we just read through it here? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let them sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. It's an amazing passage, amazing passage, many times misunderstood. It's complicated once you get into it. And yeah, all kinds of questions like, okay, what were they suffering from? Uh, you know, what do the elders do? Why do they anoint them with oil? And uh, what's this about Elijah? I mean, how do these things all tie together? Now, when you turn to this passage, if you've been involved in church for a while, walking with Jesus, uh, you'll you'd probably say, well, this is about you know going to the elders and uh, them praying over you if you're physically sick. Right? Pray for them, and the prayer of the elders will help you. Well, that makes sense, but that's just part of it. We've restricted it just to physical illness. 
When you think about suffering in the context of the passage, which you always have to look at the context if you're uh, studying a passage, uh, we see interesting things. Uh, oh, I want to also mention that uh, faith healers uh, use this passage uh, to say, if you follow these particular principles, you'll get a guaranteed healing every time. Not true. Our Catholic friends say that uh, in this passage they see one of the sacraments and uh, one of the three sacraments in the last rites. And if you pray this over a person who's dying, uh, cleanse from their sins and you go to heaven. And but we know that the Bible says that we're all sinners and we're all under the same penalty, and that is eternal suffering away from God. But God loved us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, down to this earth to live the perfect life, to sacrifice his life, to bear our sin that we should have borne and rise again. And the way a person establishes a relationship with God is they come humbly to God and say, God, I don't have anything. I don't have any good works. It's all about you. I'm just accepting your free gift of salvation. I want you to be my Savior and Lord. At that point, a person becomes a Christ follower. But that, that decision has to be made in this life. That's why we are so passionate about the gospel. That's what we want to tell everybody. We want everybody to know this critical information. So as we look at this particular passage, what is the theme? Well, the theme is prayer, right? So that's what we're going to look at. How we can learn more about prayer uh, through this passage. We'll be talking about uh, building a healthy prayer life. Take out your uh, insert, or the sermon notes, and follow along. Write down any thoughts that come to you. And first of all, we're going to look at everyday prayers. These are day prayers that we should have every day. James 5.13, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Now, Again, you've got to consider the context. James was writing to Christian Jews who had been forced out of Jerusalem because of persecution. And they went all over the Mediterranean and started churches. Uh, the bad news is when they got there, the Gentiles really persecuted them. So they really couldn't get away from it. So he's writing to people who are under persecution, uh, mock, mocking them. Uh, beating them up, dragging them into court, uh, abusing them, even killing them. I mean, that's that was what was happening to the people he was writing to. And he was saying, hey, guys, stay strong in the faith in the midst of suffering. That's what he was saying. So, again, we look at this word, uh, suffering. Uh, what is it? Well, let's look again at the context. We know that the book of James is about standing strong in faith in the midst of suffering. Uh, but if we look at James 5.11, we always want to look at the passage before and after uh, to get a good feel of the context. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Well, you think about Job. Yeah, he suffered a lot, right? Because God allowed it to happen. 
and, and he suffered. All his family was gone, all his livestock, and he was just filled with disease. Okay? So that's the type of suffering we're talking about here. So as I look at the context, and I look at the words in the original languages here, I believe that it's talking about spiritual suffering. Spiritual suffering. We've all gone through spiritual suffering. I mean, you can be ill, and that's spiritual suffering, because again, it weakens you, and, and you start to ask questions, and maybe doubt God, and things of that nature. So yeah, you should go to the elders. Or it could be that you just lost your job or you're going through a divorce, or your kids are causing you a lot of problems. All of those things can drain us spiritually. And what James is saying here, you know, we're out in this battle uh, with, uh, or what, did I, did I say what, Satan? Oh, excuse me, sorry. <laughs> what God is saying here is that we need to be aware that we're in a battle and when you're in this battle, this spiritual battle for the lives of people, the souls of people, uh, you're going to get wounded. You're going to get beat up. You're going to go through very difficult times in your life. And typically, any type of problem in our life will somehow affect our spiritual life and, and drag us down spiritually dependent upon the strength of our faith. And so that's what life is, like spiritual highs, spiritual low, high, low. But hopefully, you're continuing to build a faith that remains stable in the midst of all that. So he says, is anyone among you suffering? Suffering? You're suffering emotionally, physically, mentally, relationally, whatever it might be. Now, uh, let's look at, uh, again, the original, well, let me, yeah. The original language for the word suffering is uh, asino in the Greek. And that means to be weak and feeble. That's what it means, to be weak and feeble. Now, if you are suffering in that way, what are you supposed to do? Let him Google it, Right? Of course, that's how you solve any problem in life these days. you got a mobile phone. Wherever you're at in the world, you can Google it, right? I can solve my problems just by Googling them. I mean, somebody's got to know out there. <laughs> well, that's a, a, a problem that I think a lot of Christ followers uh, struggle with, is that, first of all, we're raised in Western culture, and we're taught to be independent and to do with ourself. And so when a problem comes... What we do is, we say, oh, God, help me with this. And then we get on Google, and then we find a friend, and then we pick up a book, and then we go to a counselor or a doctor. But friends, this is not what James is saying. It's very important you understand this, okay? Is anyone among you suffering? What should you do? Let him pray. Let him pray. Original language speaks of just continually praying about something. And the way that God wants us to depend upon him is that he wants us to pray a lot. If we're having a, a problem in one area, 
He wants you to pray a lot about that. He wants, wants you to spend some serious time because we've almost said, okay, God, you show me the resources and I'll check back with you. No. No. God is the ultimate healer, right? He's not the counselor, the psychiatrist, or the doctor. God uses them. But you've got to spend time with the ultimate healer first. It's so important. In fact, I want to give you a challenge. Uh, Whatever problem might be besetting you at this time. I'd like you today to take 15 or maybe even 30 minutes if you can stand it. I know it's hard. (laughs) You need focus, but. And, and, And journal about your prayer. Write a prayer to God. Just write down everything that's going on through your mind, you know. Why are you doing this, God? Whatever, Whatever's happening, because he knows how you're feeling. And uh, then ask him to help you. And this is where you can use Google. Uh, you just say Bible verses about, and whatever your issue is, uh, you can find Scripture that will help and encourage you. Now, this is very, very significant. Because it's a totally different way of thinking. Because we think, okay, I'll pray first. Help me, God. And then I'll get get it done. No. You pray first. You pray for an extended period of time. You pray day after day. God will point you to the right counselor, doctor, friend, whoever you need. But if you start out with the framework that God is going to heal me, well, you better spend some time with Him, right? Because He does heal you. We're running all around trying to you know, fix our problems. If we could just spend some time with God, that's when the miracles start uh, to happen. So I really encourage you to do that today. If you're not a, a writer, if you don't like to journal, just get alone in your car or a room or and just talk to God out loud. Just tell him exactly what's going on. And uh, or if that's too much for you, you can just silently pray. <laughs> the point is, is that if you really want God's help, you've got to pray. You've got to ask, seek, and knock. And things might not be happening in your life because you're not spending any time with the great healer. See the same idea in 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Oh, God loves you so much. Whatever's going on in your life, if you're drifting from God, he loves you. He wants to be close to you. So you need to cast, you need to give over your cares to him. Because that's what we really need to continue to let the Holy Spirit imprint upon our thinking is that God is the one who changes things. Not doctors, counselors, friends, books. They're good, but God is the one we really need to lean upon. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18, pray without ceasing. Same idea. Pray and pray and pray and pray. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So you're to pray in all circumstances. In fact, in James 
chapter uh, 5.13, it says, uh, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Yes, I mean, things are going really well. I mean, maybe some of you are sitting here and say, man, life has not been this sweet for a long time. I mean, this is going on, this is going on. I'm happy! (laughs) Well, enjoy it. (laughs) But enjoy it. God has given that to you, so you rejoice. So if you got problems, you pray to God. If things are going well, you praise God, right? Like we do in our, in our service here, right? Yeah. No matter what's going on in your life, keep that relationship strong. And continue to bring everything to Him. Well, the second type of prayer I want to look at is healing prayers. James 5.14. Is anyone sick among you? Is there anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of of the Lord. Now, this is the passage that most people refer to in terms of what they might believe about it. And as I looked at it, again, the Greek word is asino, and it means weak and feeble. That's what it means. It doesn't mean sick per se, it means weak and feeble. And I think in the context, it's talking about spiritual weakness. Spiritual weakness. In fact, when you think about uh, the good shepherd, or excuse me, the good Samaritan, and he came across a man who had been beaten, uh, what did he do? Well, he cared for him. And this guy was, you know, really beaten up, a lot of wounds and things like that. So, in the original language, it says after he oiled him down, so they took out the olive oil, and they rubbed it over all the wounds and the wine, the alcohol, sanitized things. I mean, that's, let's, let's face it. What kind of health care system did they have in that day? And remember, the majority of Christians were poor. So they wouldn't have the resources to go to a doctor if there was one. So where should they go? Well, they go to the elders, right? And I, I really believe that back in that day, uh, Physically, people were suffering, and and oil would be used. Uh, And they would, again, massage them. And I think it's sent maybe up a Springbrook Spa where the elders can massage oil on you, but that would work. (laughs) The point is, the whole idea here is comfort and encouragement, right? idea of using oil upon someone. Remember Jesus Christ, uh, he was anointed with oil on his head and his feet. And many times, if you were a house guest, you came in and it was a desert, so they'd uh, pour a bucket of oil on your head, (laughs) which was refreshing to them. So we got to look at the context. What was oil used for back in those days? So I would say, according to my understanding, that when they came to the elders, the elders actually performed some medical care. They actually rubbed some oil in uh, to those wounds that they had. James 5.14, uh, or excuse me, uh, Acts 6.4, talks about the role of our elders. But we will devote ourselves 
to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And that's what our elders are devoted to. I'm so thankful uh, for our elders, six men who love God and uh, live a righteous life. Not perfect. <laughs> it's all about progress, not perfection, right? But that they are godly. And the reason that you go to the elders is because they are godly. They are spiritually strong. So when you're spiritually weak, what do you do? You go to somebody who is stronger than you are so that they can pray for you. In fact, uh, we'll look at the end of this passage where it says that the prayer of a righteous man is very powerful. Your prayers get stronger as you mature in Christ. So go to the elders. You're having a tough time. And, and we love to pray for you guys. In fact, the elders will be coming up here afterwards uh, to pray with you. Uh, and you can come forward if you'd like. Uh, we also uh, pray uh, for people between services, and sometimes uh, it'll come out to our elder meetings. I mean, just let us know. We'll do everything we can to get around you because it's a biblical principle. When the elders pray for you, there's a special power there. And we'll also see that when other spiritually mature people pray for you, there's special power there as well. Uh, let's look at verse uh, 15. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Oh, there's another wrench. <laughs> if he committed sins, will be forgiven. Where does that come from? Well, sometimes God disciplines us through suffering, physical suffering, financial suffering, whatever it might be. Again, if you're drifting from God and saying, God, I don't want anything to do with you, uh, you can expect some type of suffering to come in uh, to your life. And again, by going to the elders, uh, again, committing, uh, or excuse me, uh, uh, asking forgiveness for God, to God for the sin, that will strengthen you. You'll be forgiven. And, of course, that might be the main problem. He's spiritually dry. So it's very important. I love this. And the prayer of faith will save the one. That word is sozo, which means to save, to deliver, to rescue. You know, as we go through life, there, there are times when we, we're just so tired, you know, you young moms out there and others. You know, it's just, just get, to get through the day, you know, and you're drained. But what God is saying here about prayer is that if you bring your needs to the elders or you bring your needs directly to him, you don't have to go through a priest. You, know, you can talk directly to him that he will save you. He will deliver you. He will rescue you. And the Lord will raise him up. means to arose, to awaken, to excite. Isn't that great? That's the promise of God. That if you come to him, that he will infuse you with some type of grace, some type of energy, some type of mental you know, power. But he is going to energize you and he's going to bring you back up at some point. 
That's a great thing. Right? The Lord will raise him up. Friends, that's one of the reasons we pray, right? Because God wants us dependent on him, and we need to be raised up. The more suffering, the more prayer. That's the way it always should be. The more you're suffering, the more you should pray. And, of course, you always want to have a healthy prayer life. But the Lord will raise him up. Well, that's healing prayers. Now let's talk about confessional prayers. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you be healed. I'm, I'm, a, I'm the kind of guy who really likes to put things into practice right away. So I want you to think of a sin right now that you need to confess. Confess to other people. Not so they can forgive you, but so they can help you and encourage you. So think about a struggle in your life. And then when we stand up for a moment, you're going to talk to a stranger and just share that with them. No, I didn't do that to you. <laughs> but friends, that's what some of you need. That's what some of you need. You're living in isolation, especially you guys and me, you know. We really struggle with being open about challenges in our lives. The devotional author, uh, John Orberg, pastor in California, one of the most important moments of my spiritual life, he writes, was when I sat down with a longtime friend and I said, I don't want to have any secrets anymore. I told him everything I was most ashamed of. I told him about my jealousies, my cowardice. I hurt my wife with my anger. I told him about my history with money and my history with sex. I told him about deceit and regrets that keep me up at night. I felt vulnerable because I was afraid that I was going to lose connection with him. Much to my surprise, he did not even look away. I will never forget his next words. John, he said, I have never loved you more than I love you right now. The very truth about me that I thought would drive him away became a bond that drew us closer together. He then went on to speak with me about secrets he had been carrying. You have secrets that nobody knows. You think if you shared it with somebody, you'd be rejected or friends, after being in ministry uh, for so many years, I've seen a lot of life, <laughs> and people have never shared anything with me where I go, uh, no, you, you show grace to them, right? You show grace to them, you love them, and, and you support them, just the fact that they would tell you that, that's how, and that, that's how it works, that's the way the community of Christ should work, as we disciple each other. As we're open with another person, hey, I am really struggling with lust. I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with this addiction. I'm struggling with gossip. Whatever it might be. Could you keep me accountable? Could we pray about this? May I tell you, when you get to that point, that is when you feel the Spirit of the Lord. That is when you feel the power of the church working. But you've got to put yourself in that situation. Right? Now, men... Uh, again, we we don't never ask for directions, right? And Lori can attest to the fact that uh, we spent much more time looking for something than we had to because of my pride. And just the fact that I'm men. There's a scientific study that says that men are less likely to ask for help. I mean, this is worldwide, okay? So they're less to go to the doctor. 
you talk to God, I haven't been to the doctor in 10 years, and I'm thinking, go to the doctor, man. <laughs> Get a checkup. <laughs> you know, going to the dentist, uh, asking for uh, directions, just reaching out to, to people who could help them. Instead, they just isolate themselves. And that's a dangerous place to be. When you're struggling with sin, Satan loves it when you're alone. You have no people speaking into your life, and, and that sin just slowly consumes your life, that addiction, whatever it might be. And the best thing is to bring light to it. But you're scared to death to do that. Please, please, come talk with me, one of our pastors, elders, anybody that you know that you trust. It would be such a powerful thing. Back up. Max McLeod, the devotional writer and pastor, uh, talked about the fact that he came from a family uh, that had a history of alcoholism and that he was a real drinker until age 21 and then he just stopped. He said, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. And uh, then later in his ministry, that desire uh, came back of wanting something uh, to drink. Uh, he says, no, I don't know what resurrected my cravings, but I remember what stunned them. En route to speak at a men's retreat, I stopped for my daily purchase. I walked out of the convenience store with a beer, pressed against my side, uh, scurried to my car for fear of being seen, opened the door, climbed in, and opened the can. And it dawned on me, I had become the very thing I hate, a hypocrite, a pretender, two-faced, acting one way, living another. I had written sermons about people like me, Christians who care more about purity and integrity. It wasn't the beer, but the cover-up that nauseated me. So what happened with my hypocrisy? First, I threw the can of beer in the trash. Next, I sat in the car for a long time praying. Then I scheduled a visit with our church elders. I didn't embellish or downplay my actions. I just confessed them. And they, in turn, pronounced forgiveness over me. Jim Potts, a dear, silver-haired saint, reached across the table and put his hand on my shoulder and said something like this. What you did was wrong. But what you are doing tonight is right. God's love is great enough to cover your sin. Trust his grace. After talking to the elders, I spoke to the church at our midweek gathering. I once again told the story. I apologized for my duplicity and requested the prayers of all the congregation. What followed was a refreshing hour of confession, in which other people did the same. The church was strengthened, not weakened, by our honesty. I so desire that that would be the culture here at Springbrook, the way we do life. We don't hide behind appearances, even though that's very tempting. But that we just say, hey, I'm confessing it to you. In fact, the word confess uh, means uh, to open up. Let it out. Be honest. Share your struggle. Confess is just saying, hey, this is what's going on with me. And uh, as I said before, we're just a bunch of broken people that have been saved by Jesus. And we all struggle with a lot of stuff. But the most important thing, again, you start with prayer. And then you share it with somebody else. Maybe a really private person you've never shared anything. Well, take the risk. Obey God. And the thing that you were so scared of will help you incredibly.
Those are confessional prayers. James 5, 16 through 17, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. We have verse 18 in there. Okay. Well, he prayed again. The rain started. The interesting thing, okay, now how does this fit into the context of the passage? The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. This is true. This is biblical. As you grow in your spiritual life, usually it's pretty slowly, right? But the more mature you become over the years, and the more you're cultivating your relationship with Christ, and the more you're using your spiritual gifts, just mature, your prayers become more powerful to God. They do. Not to say you know, bad things about a person who just became a Christ follower. They're like an infant. And one day, hopefully, they'll get to that point. But that's why you want to seek out people like the elders who are spiritually strong and seek out righteous people, which a lot of righteous people here, who again are are, are not perfect, but they, they just have a, a desire to walk with God. And when you're weak, you go to them, because they're strong. And they can help you. They'll pray for you. They'll, they'll listen to you. They'll give you some guidance. That's the way the church should work. Well, we do it here at Springbrook. The small groups, right? We have small groups, a lot of them. And we have men's groups and women's groups. And men, I just want to challenge you. The only way that you can get into like that confessional relationship I was talking about is get involved in a small group of men. I know that might be outside of your comfort zone, but usually when we're obeying God, many times it's uncomfortable. <laughs> That's why it takes faith, right? So you just start going to the small group. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to tell what's going on in your life. You can just listen to others. And just hearing other Christians share their struggles and their victories is much more effective than listening to me or any other pastor because it's between two people that can relate to each other, that have a chemistry together. And the Holy Spirit, oh, that's when he really goes deep. I'm really excited about our discipleship ministry here at Springbrook called the Alongsider. And uh, we're just beginning a leadership group of 18 months where we're going to define what a disciple looks like. So what's the end product? When somebody comes in our door, they come to faith. Okay, now what do we want to teach them? How do we want to encourage them? What tools uh, do they need? What do they need to know and understand? And then we'll put a strategy together to help them move uh, through that uh, pathway. And uh, it, it, it takes a long time, guys. Growing spiritually takes a long time. You've got to be patient. But when you look back over the years, you've been a Christ follower, you can see you might have moved slowly. Sometimes he moves fast, but he changes you if you submit yourself uh, to him. Now, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Okay? 
he was just like us. And, and reading Elijah in the Old Testament, reading about him, I mean, he, uh, he, you know, he, he got depressed. Once he said, take my life, I'm out of here, after a great victory in Mount Carmel. And, uh, yeah, he had issues, <laughs> like we all do, right? But he was a man just like us, right? And he prayed fervently. You know what that means? Is to pray in prayer in the original language. To pray in prayer. That's just saying to pray deeply. To pray with passion. To pray with commitment. To pray because God is the only one who can help me through this situation. That's the kind of prayer that we need to practice and learn as we grow in order to handle the challenges that come our way. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. It did not rain for three years. Hmm. A righteous person has great power as it is working. So when you see that, I don't know about you, but that motivates me uh, to want to be more holy the power of the Spirit, because I want to help more people. And if my prayers are more powerful, that, hey, that, that's a good thing. Yeah. Again, um, during our disciple-driven campaign, our initiative, we talked a lot about prayer, talked a lot about discipleship. And uh, you know, my prayer is for you is that you would grow in prayer. In fact, Ian Bounds, who is a very well-known uh, author on prayer, said this many, many years ago. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Spirit can use, men and women of prayer, mighty in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not flow through methods, but through men. He does, not come on machine, he does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but man, men and women of prayer. And we're going to keep talking about prayer. As you, again, grow, growth is slow. And uh, we just continue to talk about prayer and discipleship. And uh, eventually uh, it gets through uh, to people through the power of of the Holy Spirit. But yeah, with our discipleship uh, program as well, it's not a program, it's really a lifestyle for our church, uh, the, the core of it will be uh, meetings uh, just with like one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two of discipleship, where you just meet together, talk together, and you talk back and forth and encourage one another. And I tell you, that's when, that's when you feel the freedom uh, to speak about what's truly going on in your life part of a group right now on Thursday nights, and uh, yeah, it's been a wonderful experience. And we hope to spread those groups uh, throughout our ministry. All right. Well, let's talk about prayer. How, you can, how can you pray for your family here? Well, let's look at some prayer requests. Current prayer requests. VBS this week. That's why you see a treehouse on top of our drums. And that big red chair. I kind of like that chair. We should bring it up here. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're bringing kids in to disciple them. And a lot of the kids who signed up, we don't know 
where they're from or anything. That's good, right? Because we're looking for new kids in order to share the gospel with them. I went to, how many went to VBS when you were younger? All right, yeah. I went every year, and I tell you what, you know, I just appreciate all those volunteers, all those people who helped me grow and came alongside me. So be praying for that this week. Pray for spiritual growth in kids and conversions. Then we have Father's Day next week, and we'll have a great time. We're going to bring out the cookies for the dads, and uh, you'll get your picture taken with your kids if you want. And we're just going to celebrate dads. Uh, we're going to thank them for all <laughs> that they do. Great day to bring out a friend, neighbor, whatever, who doesn't go to church, doesn't know the Lord. Uh, and we'll uh, make it sure, we'll make sure that uh, we'll encourage them. Then we have our movie nights uh, this summer, uh, June 26th. And the idea, idea there is to invite your neighbors. Uh, and we have our front theater here and our back theater. And on the movie nights, we have an uh, adult movie and then a children's movie. It's like SpongeBob coming up. <laughs> so the idea is, hey, just come on out. It gets them on our campus. It helps them to feel comfortable being here. Get a chance to talk with other Christ followers. Uh, but that's the whole purpose of that. And we have it like uh, on June, and then it should be July 17th. That's a movie night, but also we're having Splash Day. We're get these uh, inflatables and water inflatables, and we're just going to have a lot of water. Kids like water. Hopefully it's a hot day. Yeah, and it's a great time. You can come out for, I think we're going to go from like uh, 1 to 6. Anybody can stop by. We'll put it on our sign and uh, come on in. You know, and mothers will be tearing their hair out at that point. They'll be looking for anything <laughs> they can do with their children, right? So those are some things. Uh, you know, over the last year, uh, there have been families that have chosen other churches that have stepped away from Springbrook. But the most quizzical thing is that more people have moved away. Everybody's moving. You know, I was talking with Jim Hupp today, and he says, I'm moving to Texas. What's the deal? Why are you moving to Texas? <laughs> then we got uh, Michael Power. Raise your hand, buddy. And Taylor, he's the one who helps me out. Yeah, they're moving to Kansas. Uh, yeah, let's thank them. They, they are very critical in that ministry back there. Let's thank them for all their work. Yeah, Michael, thank you for all your heart. Your heart is so big, and we're going to miss that. And you should have talked to me before you were going to move, you know. Everybody has to talk to me if you're moving out of the area. <laughs> no, that's just God moving people around. But the challenge then is that, uh, you know, we lose key leaders. Uh, we lose resources uh, for the, the kingdom. And as I was thinking about this, God is really putting our church through a test. He's testing us. We really need to trust in Him. And we need to pray. In fact, we need to have a summer of prayer. Let's look at this next, uh, let's go back to, um, oh, the next, yeah, sorry. So what, we, what should we pray for? Uh, pray for unbelievers to come to discover the gospel. That's the main thing we want to do. That's why we exist as a church, 
Pray for growing believers to come and join our disciple-making mission. Pray for mature Christians to come to help lead in making disciples. In fact, we have this uh, summer prayer team. If you take out uh, the insert with the message notes, uh, you'll see our summer prayer team. And we would love to have you join our summer prayer team. Uh, Three different aspects. First, pray 30 minutes a week for our church, our family. That could be five minutes a day, whatever it might be, however you want to configure it. But the point is, is that we have people say we're committed to pray for this church. Uh, to attend two prayer meetings this summer on Wednesday nights. We're going to have prayer meetings every Wednesday night, whether by myself or other staff or elders. So if you're part of this team, we'd like to, to have you at least come out twice, two Wednesdays, okay? Because that's where the power is at, when the believers come together and are all about, again, growing in prayer. And then to receive prayer emails or texts five times a week, you can choose which one and then Write down the carrier and uh, your uh, phone number or your email, whatever. But again, I'm excited about this because God is testing us. So it's now time for us to go to him. Say, Lord, what do you want us to do? Please uh, provide for us. Please bring people into our ministry that we can disciple. Please bring people into our ministry that can help us disciple people. All right, now we're going to have the ushers come forward with the offering bags. And uh, if you want to make that commitment, all you have to do is fill that out and put it in the bag. I want to share one more powerful illustration of the, the uh, how prayer can change things. Erwin McManus, a uh, well-known author, he was starting a church in South Dallas. And this was a poor uh, community, a church, a lot more on welfare, so they really had to Save up a lot of money over a long period of time. And so they spotted a piece of land there in Dallas. And it was strange why nobody was buying it because it was a great piece of land. Well, uh, eventually what they found out is that it was unbuildable land. <laughs> it was a landfill. <laughs> Erwin said, we had bought an acre of garbage. Several core samples were taken. From what I understand, they went at least 25 feet deep and found nothing but trash. All I could do is ask our congregation to pray with me and believe that God was with us and that we would even use the worst of human mistakes, he's talking about his own, uh, to perform the greatest of miracles. After months of prayer, a woman from the congregation told McManus that since they had asked God to turn the land into something useful, surely it had been taken care of. Feeling God's confirmation of her words, McManus asked her for more core samples to be taken. This time, the researchers found soil. (laughs) He writes, how'd this happen? Was it because the core sample was in a different place on the land? What I I know is the same realtor who sold the property to me came back and offered me three times the amount he had sold it for once he heard the clearance to build had actually come through miracle, right? We need to pray for miracles in our own lives, in our church family's lives. You know? When we ask, seek, and not, God shows up. We have our elders come forward at this time. Uh, I just appreciate uh, these godly men uh, who I work with and 
minister with. Um, they just uh, are so gifted. Bruce are godly. They're all godly men. I can I can tell you that. And uh, they're so supportive of me. And uh, you know they have so much wisdom, uh, great feedback, and they're just they're they're just what elders should be. So let's thank our elders, okay, for all the work they do. Uh, Dean Brant, uh, Al Dietschy, and uh, Bill Atkinson here today. Uh, so I'd like you guys, if you feel so led, to come and pray with the elders, okay? And just come up to one of them and just, I mean, if you're just spiritually dry, you don't know what to do, come for prayer. And they can encourage you. They can pray for you. They'll continue to pray uh, for you. Uh, yeah. Or if you want to come and, and, and pray for someone else or something great that happened in your life, that's great too. Well, it was great to have you guys today. And go Blackhawks! <laughs>